Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Pollan, and today my guest is actor and comic Amber Nash, who you know best for playing the former HR director, Pam Poovey, on the animated series, Archer. Archer returns for a 12th season on FX on August 25th. This interview was recorded at the beginning of August over the internet with Amber in Atlanta and myself in South Carolina. So yeah, please forgive any audio weirdness. You're from um, Atlanta. I'm actually, uh, I'm calling in from Greenville, South Carolina, but um, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about uh, the Southeast. What does Atlanta mean to you and the fact that you've gotten to have a career and be there the whole time? It's so cool. I mean, I grew up here. I grew up in the suburbs and it's like I, when I became an actor, I was doing theater mostly, um, improv. And I was like, well, if I'm going to really do this, I have to move to LA or New York. And then I kept working. And so I was like, oh, okay, I guess I can stay in Atlanta and still get work. And then everything came to Atlanta. Like the, the industry here is insane. And so that was really amazing. They still hire a lot of talent out of LA, or at least you have to have representation in LA for people to take you seriously. Hopefully that'll change because it's like, come on, people. <laughs> talented people can live anywhere. Smart, talented people live in cheaper cities. <laughs> exactly. So I, I really enjoy like being able to live in my hometown and have a house that I can afford. And like, you know, it's really great. And, and the other cool thing about Atlanta is like, because we're not Hollywood because Broadway isn't here. Like there's nobody telling us what to do. So Atlanta's got this real cool like indie arts vibe, you know, like we, if you wanna make something happen you can totally make it happen here. And so it just feels really accessible to be an artist here. Do you get to like enjoy some of that indie art vibe being in Atlanta? I mean, as a participant, not only as like a spectator? Yeah, totally. Like um, the theater that I kind of came up at was Dad's Garage, and I still do shows there oh. every weekend that I'm in town. So like I can, you know, go to Dad's and do a show in front of 100 people, and it's super duper fun. And then also like we're making an indie film later this year, and we've been making um, film stuff and doing like online content through the theater. And like we wouldn't have been able to work with all the amazing people on the crew side of stuff that we've been able to without the film industry being here and bringing so many talented people and giving them work so people could stay here. I think the other appeal too, you're talking about like the indie art scene is um, the fact that you actually have this combination of things like Marvel, <laughs> uh, Tyler Perry and all this stuff existing in Atlanta, but then you still have like these little little theaters, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say dad's garage necessarily little, but scrappy theaters. And then you have stuff yeah. like the Alliance Theater and stuff. Yeah, so, that's like yeah. huge and has like an incredible budget every year. But yeah, like I think dad's is totally a scrappy theater. And I think that even if we had the money to be like a really big theater, it just wouldn't work with our vibe. So it's like, it really makes sense that we stay I mean, we got a nice new building since the building that we lost a few years ago. So that's pretty nice. It's an old church, but it's still definitely scrappy. Like we moved in and dirtied up all the couches pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my kind of place. Um, and then you said there, you guys are working on an indie film. Is this, I just want to make sure I understand if I'm piecing all this, uh, yeah. I'm piecing Amber Nash's life together, like one of those like wall charts of red string. So yeah. this is How to Ruin the Holidays. Is that correct? Yeah. So How to Ruin the Holidays. Um, my husband wrote it. 
And he was the artistic director of Dad's Garage for 10 years. And so we started working together in, let's see, he came down to Dad's in 20, in, in 2010. And before that, I'd known him as an improviser in Canada. And so then we started working together, then we started dating, and now we're married. Um, but he wrote the film, and his uh, partner, Arlen Konopaki, who was also from uh, Canada. He went to NYU, got a, a, a you know fancy film degree. And so he's directing our film and we're doing it through Dad's Garage. Like Dad's Garage is, is one of the producers of our film. Well, okay, what is, I mean, How to Ruin the Holidays made a guess it takes place during the holidays. <laughs> like, what is it about? Yeah, so it's about a struggling comedian that goes home for the holidays. It's been a bunch of years since she's been home and the family's just kind of, not doing great she's got a brother with special needs and he's trying to like hold the family together and their dad's just kind of like off the rails and a little bit of like a doomsday prepper and you know it's just like a regular shit show around the holidays like most people's families are and uh and she's got a sister that she's kind of competitive with and so yeah it's a kind of a home for the holidays comedy colin mockery plays my dad the great improviser colin mockery yeah um yeah so it's gonna be super fun Oh my goodness, I have so many questions. Well, I want to ask you one thing. You mentioned your husband being Canadian. Um, and I think obviously we have so many great examples of Canadian comedians, but I think sometimes the Southeast we get, or the South, this is called that, we get like stereotyped for the type of humor, like the Southern character, the dumb Southern character. How does Canadian humor kind of um, juxtapose against like the humor you have or the humor that you see coming out of the South? Oh, that's really, it's a really good question. So I think that because Kevin came from Canada and like, we all know there's so many great comedic actors from Canada, but I feel like he's fully like acclimated to the South and really kind of taken on, he's assimilated very much and taken on the, the humor of the South and he really gets it. And I didn't realize this until I married a Canadian. There's, there's Canadian rednecks too. It's just a different type with a different accent, but they, they drive trucks with balls, just like rednecks in Georgia do. <laughs> And so um, he he did a, he's done a really good job of kind of um, finding that voice and and making it work in the film. Well, and I think um, what's exciting too, getting to talk to you and and obviously knowing all, all of us are like Archer, Pam, and we're going to talk about that. But um, I would be interested also with how to ruin the holidays. How much are you able to draw on some of your experience and career for the role and for that film? Oh my gosh. Well, it was written for me. So <laughs> okay, that helps. yeah, you can't get any better than that. So like Kevin's been mining information about me for the, you know, almost 10 years that we've been married. So it really helps that he wrote it for me and the director Arlen, his partner that he's worked with forever. I've known him for a really long time. So he's like a brother to me too. So having a director that really understands you and because we all come from improv, like we don't, like Kevin's not super precious about his words on the script. So very likely there'll be some improv, especially if something's not totally clicking. So I really get to like essentially kind of be myself. It's a lot of me as a person and it's a lot of Kevin's family too. Like a lot of the story comes from all the most interesting people in his family and all the most interesting people in my family kind of melded together to make a, a giant dysfunctional family. Well, and what's fun too, I think, especially when we talk about like a comedy or indie comedy uh, coming out. It's, it used to be, I would think even like 10 years ago, even 20 years ago, you'd have like a one line, like uh, two guys get stuck in an elevator. It'd be like something like that. But now we have all these kind of nuance. There's lots of things with empathy. And I know you, you talked a little bit about um, uh, her family having like a, a, a person with special needs in that. How do you go about uh, finding that balance without 
it, uh, I don't want to say objectifying, but taking advantage of that person. Totally. I, it, well, so Kevin grew, grew up with a brother with special needs. So it's a really, it's like close to his heart. And a few years ago, we worked with, through Dad's Garage, we worked with a, a group of actors with special needs from the Atlanta JCC. And they put on stage productions, I think like twice a year. And so we had this group of actors and they wanted to do something with dads. And so Kevin was like, I should write a script for these guys. And one of the actors in the um, in the group, Luke Davis, we met him and he we worked with him. We were like, this guy is incredible. He's such a great actor. So we kind of fell in love with him. And so when Kevin wrote this, he wrote with with Luke in mind. So he also that role is also written for Luke. So um, it's it's something that Kevin's seen a lot of because he grew up with a brother with special needs. And in the short film we made is called That Was Awesome. We deal with the idea that like. So oftentimes, like people with special needs are treated like children, like they don't have things that they want to do. And like, like there's a, a great scene in that in the short film where one of the, the actors keeps asking for a beer and nobody will let him have a beer. And he's like, I'm 35 years old. Like I might have special needs, but can I just have a beer? You know, so like we kind of deal with some of those things too. Like they're just like every community on earth. They're just like everybody else. There's, there's people that are awesome. There's people that are assholes. There's like, you know, all the things that make up humanity. You also find it in the special needs community. Today is the beginning of August, and last week we had the trailer for season 12. Holy smoke, season 12 of Archer. It came out last week, and um, what can you tell us about season 12 of Archer? Well, we're kind of going up against like big, like like big oil. We're going up against like big spy. Like we're kind of this little scrappy agency that's dealing with much better agencies. Um, and it's, you know, a lot of the same horse that you're used to like when when we went in season 11 we went back to the regular world um and we got to see how everybody's been doing since archer's been in a coma for three years it's kind of a continuation of that and uh everybody being their wonderful selves and being terrible to each other and um again this is a season so uh, the first 10 seasons were all written by Adam Reed. And this is one of our, this is our second season where we had a bunch of different writers and a lot of writers from last season have returned. And it's so fun to get a script. I mean, I loved working with Adam and he created the world and did such a brilliant job, but it's really fun to also find like other people's voices and hear the Archer voice coming through another writer is really interesting. And so it's fun to see your character kind of dealt with by other writers. So it's just a fun, dynamic, crazy season. Well, and I know uh, we could probably talk to season 11 uh, since that was the case. Were there moments that you were just genuinely surprised? Like, wow, I would never expected this to happen on Archer. And I'm not talking about like something crazy or silly, but just even like a line you had that they wrote. Yeah, like you have to grow with the times and a lot's changed in 12 years, you know? Um, like Pam in the beginning was just kind of like there to be the butt of the joke. And then now she's like such a big part of the show, you know, and people really like respect the character and um, love Pam. And she's like become a weird sex symbol in a way, which I think is so awesome. Um, so I would have never imagined that happening. Pam is totally a sex symbol, but also she's taking on a bit of a role model for uh, a lot of women, um, I, even friends I know, 
of empowerment. And I'm wondering, what does that mean to you to have this character that was the butt of a joke be a, a role model for actual real life women? <laughs> yes, I think that's so, it's so cool. And for sure, there were real life female characters on television before Pam, but I felt like it, Pam was kind of like warts and all, like, here's who I am, deal with it. Like there was nothing apologetic about who Pam was. In fact, she like really leaned into like, I literally give two shits about what you think. And so for people to just be like, people love her because she's so like just herself. And I don't think we'd seen that in that way, in such, in such a like in your face way before. So I'm like so incredibly proud of the character and people are like, oh my God, my wife is just like Pam. And I'm like, she's probably <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been really, really fun to watch her kind of grow into the character that she is. I love it every day. And people are like, are you a lot like Pam? And I was like, I wish. Like, I'm not nearly as cool as Pam. I don't think I could like hang at all with Pam. She's got like never ending energy and strength. I would say it's just, it's unlimited. But is there a quality about Pam that you wish you could adopt in real life? I wish that I didn't. I really didn't care what people think. Like, there's a part of me that doesn't care. But like, to go through the world and literally just be like, fully yourself and not care at all what people think seems like a dream I'm just nodding because I feel like uh, I mean I'm in my 40s and I feel like I'm just now starting to become more comfortable with like I don't give a shit, or I give yeah. a less of a shit with what people think but as you've done the character for so long and you've had six, maybe more of a stability in your career um are you finding that just naturally happening with age and wisdom yeah, you care less about what people think because you realize how little control you have in the world. <laughs> yeah. um, but also another thing that I found that comes with age is like increased anxiety because you're like, oh, you realize how many things could go terribly wrong as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes. so there's a little bit more anxiety. So I am getting, I am getting more like that and seeing more people, seeing more diversity, people of different disability and ability, people of different races, people of different sizes. Like I think opening the world and being like, oh, on TV, I can see somebody that actually looks like me as opposed to like a pretty like Hollywood version of a character that's kind of like a person that's normal, you know, like, or like a regular human. So I think it's good to be able to see more just like regular people living regular lives and having extraordinary stories and they don't have to be perfect, like cookie cutter Hollywood actors, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's also, it just is a reminder, especially as, you know, we still have think, ways to go, obviously, but we've come a far way that we can have a character like Pam, who is warts and all and does things that are very impulsive, like some people uh, can relate to and does things that maybe she does regret, but doesn't show it as much, but then also is very human too. And I think that's the big thing that it's not that one note. It's not that we're always going to go to this for the fat joke or for the the sexist joke you know totally totally i remember that one of my favorite things that happened was pam was in the sports illustrated swimsuit edition and i was like what i'm a kid from the 80s so it's like that is like the coolest thing in the world sports illustrated swimsuit edition and i remember just being like wow Pam has arrived. Maybe not Amber Nash, but Pam Poopy has arrived. <laughs> well, let me ask you this as well. I mean, um, there's been so many ridiculous, ridiculous things, insane things that all the characters in that show have done. Has there ever been a moment where you're just like, you read it and you're like, I, oh boy, I don't know about this. Like, I'm not sure about this. Or holy smokes, I would have never thought that this is amazing. Like, I'm not surprised anymore by what gets written for Pam to say because she has 
almost always said the most terrible things on the show. Um, but there have been a couple times where I'm like, are we gonna get away with this? Are they gonna allow this to happen? Um, one of the ones that comes to mind is Casey Willis. He's one of our, um, he's our executive producer, one of our executive producers. And he was talking about the scene where Lana and Archer having sex. And it was like, very like, oh my God, you guys really went for it. And they were like, Casey's like, we turned it in and we assumed that the network was going to be like, you're going to have to pull back a little bit, but they were <laughs> cool with it. And FX is like that. I mean, FX has always been such a great network to work for. And like, they really gave Adam room in the beginning to kind of figure out what the show was and make it crazy. I think one of my favorite things has been like, I don't know how you, you would describe it as the adventures or like, like the the theme of a season, like the different like uh, different worlds yeah. you've lived in. Has there been one or, or two for you that have like particularly you're fond of that? I'm like, oh, I'm so glad we we did this style of uh, Archer. Yeah, I really loved all the like genre seasons that we did. My favorite, I think, I really loved the the noir season. A lot of people didn't like it because it was so dark and not very funny. <laughs> but it was there was so I mean. The visually, it was amazing. Like that was one of my really, favorite ones. Yeah, I think real Archer fans loved that season, and kind of like people that just watch Archer that aren't big fans were like, "We didn't like it." And I was like, "Get it? Totally fair, totally fair." But I really loved that season because it was, um, it was, uh, it allowed us to kind of dig into some stuff that we don't usually do. Like Adam really dealt with some shit when he was writing that show, and like it was dark and it was sad, and it, like I probably acted more on that show than any other season. Um, so I really loved that one because I also loved the way it looked. And just because it was so dumb and fun after doing the noir season was Danger Island. It was just like such a weird, oh, yeah. like right turn. <laughs> um, but I also love that because Pam and Archer were together. Like them as a duo is one of my favorite things because I think they're so fun together. And so that was all season long, which is really nice. Well, let me ask you this. We talked about... Um... How to Ruin the Holidays and the ability to maybe improvise on that uh, around the script uh, is will be encouraged. Do you ever have that with Archer where you guys are encouraged to improvise or is it very like, you must say it this way? It's not really stringent, like you must say it this way. They're very cool about stuff, but they definitely, we always get the one take that's exactly what it says on the page, but lots of times we screw around and find stuff. Like they'll have an idea of something they think will be funny, or I'll have an idea for something. And so it's never like a fully improvised thought or line, but we'll just like kind of mess with stuff until we come up with something different. And sometimes we do that for a while on, we don't do it for every line because it would take forever. But like when something's really juicy or we're not finding exactly what we want, we'll kind of mess around with some stuff. So there's a lot of freedom there. Like I really feel like they trust me and they want, they want me to, they want to give me everything I need to be successful and do the thing, you know, to make them laugh. When you're doing this, are you basically just in the booth by yourself? Or is it one of those like Pixar things where we see that shot of like Tom Hanks and Tim Allen, the one time they're together, like, do you get to be with some of the cast or is it mostly just you're solo, you're doing it on your own and they're mixing all that together? Uh, we're totally on our own. Like everybody lives in different places. So I'm lucky that I live in Atlanta where they make the show. So I get to actually see the people <laughs> that are the producers and directors and stuff. Um, but everybody else is just like, you know, patched in through, they're in LA or New York. And so, um, yeah, and so we're, we're totally by ourselves and we, record all the audio before any animation happens. Mm. So, and 
I think that's pretty common in television. I think it's like more common in film for them to do all the animation first and then the, the voice stuff last. But they also want to be able to capture stuff if something gets improvised or changed in the recording so that then they're not having to go back and reanimate something later if they want to use it. So it gives them a little bit of freedom on that side too. How does like the improviser side of you handle that? Because I feel like in improvising, you're, you're listening, you're looking for that cue from your partner. Obviously, you have the script and you're, you're, you, you know the character, but um, it seems like it's a different muscle. Is it as satisfying as something like improv? It's totally different muscle and it can be really satisfying, but in a completely different way. And I think that's why I still do stage shows because it's like <laughs> being in an with an audience and them, you have to make them laugh. And that's just where you're at, as opposed to like being in a booth and it's very technical and, you know, it's not as much fun, but the, these guys are, are really good at, at keeping it really fresh and keeping it fun. And because at least I have those guys as my audience to kind of like try to make them laugh, you know, and, and, th and they'll play with me too when we need it for timing and stuff. Okay. So one more Pam question, and it really comes down to um, if someone lived in a world where they had never seen Archer before and it's season 12 and they're like, I'm going to start watching this. How would you describe the show and your character? Oh my God. Okay. I would say uh, we are a spy agency amongst many other things. Um, <laughs> Archer is a guy with lots of issues, particularly like mommy issues. He really loves women. Um, him and Lana were married at one point. They have a baby. They love each other. They hate each other. We don't really know. Um, Cyril, just stay out of his way. You don't really have to deal with him. Um, and Krieger can be dangerous, but he can also be very helpful. And Pam is, um, she. if you have an HR issue, you can go to her. It probably won't get resolved. Better, it's probably just to go out drinking with her. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so the name of our podcast is called I'm So Obsessed. I want to know, what are you currently obsessed with? Right now, the thing that's kind of taking up all my mental capacity is I have a camper trailer that is vintage, and my dad and I, over the last five years, have been restoring it, and it got pretty much finished in December, and so next week, we're actually, it's been in my yard, so it's like kind of like a I can use it as an office or, you know, like we can like spend the night out there if we want to, but next week we're taking it on the road for, it's like maiden voyage. Ooh. So I'm very, very excited about it. And are we talking like something like an Airstream or like just like a, like a seventies trailer? It's called, it's actually called a fiber stream and they were made <gasps> in the seventies from the seventies to the eighties. And they're made completely out of fiberglass. And when we got it, it was like a total like shit show, like terrible. We had to tear everything out. And so my dad and I like vintaged it up. It's pink. Um, the inside's like turquoise and got checker floors. And it's, it's really over the top. 
Oh, that sounds amazing. Is this something where you're going to have to like dress for the trailer now that you have it all like nicely uh, <laughs> updated and renovated? It's funny that you ask that. You're that's perfect. No, no other man in my life would ask me that question. So thank you very much for asking that. In fact, I do have a matching outfit that's like a Dickies jumpsuit that's like pale pink. It's perfect. Oh my god! Yeah, I don't have the photo, but I have the photo in my mind, and I see it working. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you about something that's related to your work, but it's more something you kind of do. Maybe a lot of people don't know. It's specifically uh, called Project Chimps, which is um, a sanctuary based in Georgia. What can you tell me about what this is and and how you became involved with it? Yeah, so Project Chimps is a sanctuary in North Georgia. It's um, up in the North Georgia mountains. And it's a sanctuary for chimps that have been retired from medical research. So in 2016, a law was passed that, that made it illegal to do research on chimpanzees uh, because their captive chimps are considered um, endangered. So that was a really big win. So there was all these like labs all over the country, private and public that had chimps that they had to be surrendered. And so all these chimps needed a place to go. And lots of them, because of the lives that they had had in research, like weren't appropriate to go to zoos or, you know, some had some problems. And so sanctuaries were kind of the best place for them. So the sanctuary was opened right after that law was passed. And it, it had been like a gorilla sanctuary. So it was kind of outfitted already, similar to what we needed, but then we built it out. And so Judy Greer, who's on Archer and her husband, Dean Johnson, um, knew about this place and had been there a couple times. And I was at dinner one night with them and I was talking about um, chimps and how much like I'd studied primate behavior in college and I was like really interested in chimps and he's like well there's this place in your backyard basically that is a chimp sanctuary and so I was like oh my god that's amazing and so he got me involved and uh, I joined the board like a year later and I've been on the board for almost three years now and it's it's an amazing place so it's not open to the public it's just for chimps to be themselves and live in this beautiful sanctuary so it's all outside they have villas that they sleep in but like it's a big open sanctuary so they can be in the wild like many of them had never walked on grass or like climbed a tree because they've been in laboratories their whole life so it's really in a beautiful amazing place we've talked a lot about like how archer and how things have changed for your roles pam how has being part of this over three years changed you it's really like gotten me more into like animal activism and animal rights. And I became a vegan and I was already, I already didn't eat meat, but I like really went for it with no dairy and no eggs. And um, I, I've met so many incredible people. Like our board of directors has people on there that have done like really huge stuff in the animal rights world. So like I was humbled because I'm just an actor. Like I'm just an actor <laughs> from Atlanta. Like I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, so there's really some amazing people that I've met. So it's really opened my eyes to like the plight of a lot of laboratory animals and kind of, you know, that this is in my, like a lot of people in Atlanta don't even know this place exists. So helping raise funds for it and all that. It's really, it's been an amazing thing to kind of balance out my life. It feels very meaningful. Like I love making fart jokes, but it's nice to like, you know, it's nice to also like help other beings on earth. Okay, so there's a thing we do on our show called Pick One. I give you a couple choices and you pick one. Um, it doesn't mean one is better than the other and I encourage you to talk it out. Okay. All right, so the first one I have is pick one, Dad's Garage Theater or Second City. 
100% dad's garage theater. And and I know we talked about dad's garage before, but we really didn't explain what it was. So maybe you could explain what it is and why why you would choose that over Second City. Yeah. Um, so dad's garage is an improv theater. We start, we, we're a theater sports theater. So we do short form, but we also do long form. Um, and I, well, lots of times we'll tell people that don't know what dad's garage is, that it is the second city of the South. Um, and what I'll say about dads versus second city is that I think that we're we're very nimble. I think we're still very cool and cutting edge. Whereas I think I think stuff at Second City is kind of slowing down. They're a little older. They're maybe not as but I, no no shade because I love Second City and I worked for Second City. Um, but Dad's Garage all the way, and it's my home, so I got to say that. And, and I heard someone describe um, specifically Dad's Garage as. <laughs> I think they meant this in the most polite, positive way possible. So please don't <laughs> yell at me. But they described it a bit like the improv there is the drug and they get you hooked on that. But there's all these other things uh, that you guys do at Dad's Garage. And it's definitely shifted over the years. Um, and I can only imagine that being in front of an audience and the richness of the Atlanta theater scene, which I think a lot of people don't even know that there is one, totally. uh, is pretty surprising. Um, all right. The next one I have, pick one, Frisky Dingo. Mr. Robot or That Was Awesome? Oh, that's a hard one. Okay, I'm gonna go with That Was Awesome. So That Was Awesome was our short film that I talked about earlier with the group of actors with special needs um, that was about a floor hockey team. So that's close to my heart because I helped make it. Mr. Robot, I was. it was really fun, but I was just there for a day and my episode didn't even air. Like I didn't even get into the episode. I ended up on the cutting room floor. So you can't even actually see me in Mr. Robot. And um, what was the other one? Oh, Frisky Dingo. Frisky Dingo was actually how I got my job on Archer because it's the same guys making Archer oh, that made right. Frisky Dingo. Yeah. So um, I, do, I do love the show because of that. But I will say the show was so insane that... I was like halfway into the first season. I was like, what is this show about? Like, I don't understand this show at all. Um, and so then I started to understand what the show was about. And I was like, I got to get out of here. The show's making me insane. So I have to stick with, that was awesome. All right. And my last question for you, and this is, I'm interested in what you're going to choose here. Uh, pick one, uh, theater, film, TV, or voiceover. That's really hard. If I had to pick one that it was all I could do for the rest of my life, I would probably pick theater because it's the least amount of money. So <laughs> I guess I just need no money. To live just on. to be clear in case people yes. wanted to get rich. Yeah. <laughs> you can make zero money doing theater. So that's not a great financial choice, but it's the particularly the career that I've had in theater and what I've been allowed to do. It's very free. You can make your own things in improv, at least like I get to, you know, I'm writing and directing as I'm improvising. Right. So, and having that relationship to the audience. And that's something we've missed so much over the pandemic, but like being able to be in front of people, see if what you're doing is working in that moment. It's really a, it's a magical relationship that you have to the audience when you're on stage. I want to thank Amber for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. You can watch new episodes of Archer on FX. Also, to find out more about the film Amber is making, go to the website howtoruintheholidaysmovie.com. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And if you really like this episode, please rate it. Until next time, take care.